New York will try and make it three straight when they host rival D.C. United Sunday at Red Bull Arena. We talk about that and the most recent run of form with Red Bull head coach Chris Armas. We'll take your fan questions and look at possible playoff positioning as well. In addition, Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell swings by to talk about his path to New York and the metro area. It is September. It is our coaches show, and this is the New York Red Bulls radio network. Okay, here we go. I really don't have too much to say. You are listening to The Coaches Show with Chris Ormus on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. As we said in the open, it is a big Sunday coming up for the New York Red Bulls. They will play host to D.C. United, playoff positioning on the line, and so much still to play for in just two games remaining in the regular season. The head coach, Chris Armas, joins us here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. I'm, of course, Matt Harmon. Steve Jolly and I carry the games for you on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network on our tune-in radio app, NewYorkRedBulls.com and the New York Red Bulls app. Coach, appreciate you giving us some time here this morning. Looking forward to this segment because, as we've learned over the course of of the last couple of games, Portland and and Philadelphia with uh, back-to-back 2 nothing wins. The sun does come up each and every day, and there's still a lot left to play for in the season. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me. Um, thanks to all the listeners as well. Um, the sun does come up, and, and, and um, we, you know, around here, we... We pride ourselves in working and showing up every day and and giving everything every day. So, you know, there's times we've had some really big results this year and and it doesn't change the way we work. And even when the results have not gone our way, we we look closely at the performances. Um, We first look at what we do well and then we look at ways we can get better. And that's been the that's been the way here for 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 this this year specifically and and usually always but that's that's the I think a key to success. You know, coach, you and I obviously talk each and every game prior uh conversations um during the course of the week off air and and I feel like I have a pretty good handle on the direction of the team, where things are heading. Um for you personally maybe has this season been strange the way that it's kind of um unwound with wins, losses, up, down, um, and just the, and just the way that the year has gone, maybe struggling a little bit for consistency? Yeah, you know what, um, Matt, I, I don't know if I'd call it strange because it's just been – it's been uh, interesting. Like it's not really strange because I've been part of teams as a player even – um, even here, you know, after we win the Supporters Shield in 15 and 16, it's like you, you, you can't pinpoint, you know, exactly, you know, why can't you get the results with much of the same guys? What, what's going on? And, and and then, you know, without making excuses, you just – it forces you to look hard. But this year, look, on the inside, and I talk about this a lot, on the inside – and again, I won't get into too much of it now. It's for other people to really understand it. It's this team has been through a lot. When you talk about teams and and the phases of of coming together and phases of of the of of team development, teams come together. They go through some 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 tough moments. Things settle down, and then things uh, you start you start things come together. And then when things come together, you get an injury, you come to, you know, and, 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 and maybe uh, a couple of losses, and now you, you're, you're struggling again, then you come together, then you win, and then this has been constant. But listen, every team goes through this, we'll call it like a storming phases, like where, where things get hard and then things kind of settle down. But honestly, like if we talk about it quickly, like, there's been injuries. There's been issues on our back line. There's been talks about players going to Europe. There's been no Tyler Adams. There's been, um, you know, a bunch of these things. You know, Wright Phillips. You know, there was early on in the year. You know, listen, and, and then there's different guys in form, out of form. Like, there's been a lot. There's been a lot that many teams 
would not be able to to cope with it slash thrive and be better for it. And we have. And I've said this all along that I I get to see these guys on a daily basis. So I know that the guys have stuck together. Um, I know that I've led the team in, in, in a way that has kept them together, believing and working and sticking with each other and, and to what we're trying to do. You know, Coach, when you look at, and I say up and down during the course of the regular season, but the last couple of games specifically, 2 nothing win against Portland in what turned out to be an extremely, I'll say emotional yet exciting victory. You follow it up with a 2 nothing win at home against Philadelphia, and that is not to uh, discount big wins earlier in the year against Atlanta, against New York City, against the L.A. Galaxy, the great run of form through May. But is it is it fair to say or – is this opinion you think accurate that the last two games have been uh, a time where everything has kind of clicked together for this team? Yes, I think that's fair to say. I think the last two games really are uh, probably our most complete performances. Now, those games, like the Seattle game, they always can go certain ways. Like even some of the times you, you play your best, they – there's always little moments of games, but um, in terms of, you know, and, and we've played against Philly um, in these last years. It, it, it's never felt that way before where we had things in such control. In Portland, on the road, tough place to play, desperate team, went to the championship game last year, didn't lose anything, right? Like they, it's Valeri. It's in, in fact, you know, you got Blanco, you got all these guys and, and um, they now have added Brian Fernandez, top player, big player. And we go there and we really address their strength. Um, and we have felt in control and that's just not, it happened like it hasn't just happened we've been working on our defensive posture we've been working on being compact we've been working on 11 guys defending and thinking like one we've worked hard at thinking about game plans like really digging deep and then when you see even the other night imagine philly goes in and makes some adjustments and talks at halftime and then they come out in the second half they had one shot on goal in the second half so we really, uh, the, our team is, is improving, and I think things are, this is a byproduct of months and months of work and prep to get to this point. You know, you've talked about it almost on a weekly, game-by-game basis, whether it's been after training sessions, before games, after games. You've talked about the, the process of this team coming together and some of the tough moments and having to stick together and preaching uh, patience and almost a quiet calm all during the course of what's been that hectic regular season. Um, and some would have said probably before the last two games, that's all coaches speak. But I, but I know deep down in, inside of you and the rest of the coaching staff, that's something that you honestly did believe. This team was going to find it and come together. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Because, you know, I, I think I, I, I don't, I'm not relying on on my gut feeling and hunches here. You know, I'm I'm relying on information, knowledge, what I'm looking at, things that are real. And you know, I'm not hoping that I've been a, a champion before. I have a, a box of five championship rings that I look at here and there. You know what I mean? And I know I know what good teams look like. And those teams were all built for tough moments. And and listen, it's 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 so easy to talk about being big in tough moments. And I've been challenged this year big time. People questioning me, still questioning me, I'm sure. Um and, and yet is to, to to be able to stand tall and, and not even survive. I'm talking about be at your best in tough moments. I understand that very well, um, and I've demanded that from our guys, and they've they've done that. So to see, um, yeah, I believe in the process. That's what I'm talking about all the time. And then to see them do it, and again, that it's not just words. Those guys experience it. They experience the success from these last couple of games. They experience, you know, imagine how they feel 
in Seattle going down two goals and, and when things were kind of tough. Could you imagine? I mean, Kansas City had a tough time a few weeks ago. They, they lost, I think, 7-1 to one in L.A. They just they really crumbled on the day. And our guys, you know, and that's, you know, they're, they're champions, of course, in the past. But they, that shows that it's not that easy to stick together in tough moments. And, and our guys come back 2-2 only to lose to essentially to an own goal. And then to rebound the way they have, again, I don't think those are outlying performances. And I don't think any, it has to do with luck. So they're experiencing this, which is, you know, something I can't give them, but they've they've done it on their own. New York back at home this week against DC United, and and coach, obviously, you look at this one. It's a team that you played not all that long ago. Uh, towards the end of August, you got a two-one win down there, and this one sets up essentially, you know, the old if the playoffs started, you would be on the road at DC in that first round. If you get a result on Sunday, that could easily swap. And and we've talked, and everyone has talked really about with the new playoff format, just how important it is to get at least a home game uh, moving forward into the postseason. So this one on Sunday, obviously pretty big. We would love to uh, continue the momentum. The belief is strong, uh, but momentum is big in sports. Momentum is big for teams, and it can go either way, momentum. Uh, but finding ways to win, uh, finding ways that uh, at this time of year, uh, it's really important. But um, if we can, if we can, yeah, take, take one game at a time like I've talked about, really focus on D.C., and getting a big result there puts us in a nice spot to host a game in the playoffs, which would be, again, you try to set yourself up for, for success in, 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 in where, where, where one game is the difference. It's a one-game elimination series. Having that in our building uh, gives us a big chance to, to, to progress, and then it, it rewards our, our supporters, too, who uh, – would you know they deserve a home game too in the playoffs we'd love to do it for them in essence as we've talked about the last few the playoffs starting for new york uh probably back with that seattle game and will continue on sunday with a dc united team coach that's been playing pretty good as well they've been able to string some wins together uh get points they come off a couple of really good wins one at home one on the road what would you expect to see out of them in terms of maybe things that they would do different on Sunday since you only played about a month ago? Well, yeah, that, that game had Wayne Rooney being sent off, so we didn't have uh, him on the field to, to deal with for, the, for a good stretch. Um, but we had a really good start to that game, and, and we went there with a good mentality. And, of course, we get the 2-1 victory. But, um, listen, I, I think they, if they're looking at, at our last few games, they see that we've been organized defensively. We've been good in transition going forward. Um, you know, I think they 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 know that this is a a, a big game for them too. And, and it, without it being so close in the standings, it's it's definitely a, a rivalry game. So I think as a starting point, DC I think will look to disrupt things and, and put us in a combative, difficult game. Um, yeah, but I'd, I'd also expect them to try to disorganize us. So if we're trying to be organized and compact, how can they disorganize us? And I think I expect a few things there, maybe some direct play or, um, again, they're trying to pull us apart, trying to pull our block apart. Does it make it easy after uh, the road trip that you had, Seattle, Portland, and then having the quick turnaround with the game against Philly to now have a full week to prepare and kind of get on that type of schedule, at least for the next couple of weeks of the regular season? Yes, I think it's it's a nice uh, break Sunday to Sunday now. And, you know, of course, even when I, when I cut the film and look back at video, there's so many little things. There's so many little things that, you know, I care about so many little details that, you know, you want to kind of iron out little things, but, you know, I think we're in a good place and I'll, I'll be mindful even today when we look through video, just to kind of reinforce so many of the positives. Um, there's room to grow for sure. And we'll work, we'll, we'll save that for training. But um, yeah, the, the week in between, it's, it's nice. Um, 
I'll tell you what, you know, when you when you lose games, even the Colorado game, we had to almost suffer for a few weeks before playing our next game. Now, is that good for you? Is it bad for you? you know, of course, you'd love to be to have two weeks of good energy and just kind of sitting on the three points and, and, and a little bit higher in the standings. But suffering a little bit like that's okay too, because you take even harder looks. You you you. you you'll learn to live with a little more urgency and discomfort. And I think that's good. So now, listen, we'll enjoy the two victories and sitting on a few points and a win. And I think that, that our team needs that too, to have some days where you, you actually know you're good and you know you can win and you know you're a real team. And I think that's good to seep in now too. I think it's exactly what we need. Coach, let's wrap up this uh, first segment because in our next segment, we're going to go back and talk with Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell. We already talked with CJ and we've already talked with Preston, saving uh, Brad here for the month of September. What's he meant for the coaching staff since he came over a couple of seasons ago? Yeah, I I rely on Brad a lot. You know, he – you know, he's like me in many ways, but he has – He's got a really good soccer brain. Um, he played. He was a top player. Just to remind everyone out there, I mean, this guy played in the Bundesliga against some of the the best teams and tactics and players in the world, and he was a top player. And he played. Uh, if he if he was still playing, he'd be a Red Bull type of player. Very aggressive, fearless, uh, intelligent, quick. Um, and he also played for the South African national team, part of the World Cup team. So, w- for me, I mean, uh, you know, I, I use him as a sounding board. I trust his opinion. You know, tactically in games, I'm, I'm saying, Brad, come on, think of this, think of that. And he, I, I know he's got a really interesting way of thinking about things and, and seeing things. So, yeah, I mean, and when you're in my seat in my role, you know, you, your assistant coaches and extended staff are so important. Um, to challenge you, to you know, to really ask good questions, and and my staff does that, and Bradley, you know, he really does that for me. He's 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 crucial for for me personally. All right, we're going to take a, a quick timeout. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear from Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell. Coach will rejoin us uh, coming up in our final segment. We'll take a couple of questions from you, the fans, as we look ahead towards that DC United game. This is our coach's show on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. As New York gets set to take on D.C. United on Sunday at Red Bull Arena, big one obviously for playoff positioning is New York trying to get into minimum that four spot and host a uh, home playoff game with just two games remaining in the regular season. Good first spot with Red Bull head coach Chris Armis. Coach will return in our third and final segment. We'll take some questions from you, the fans. Looking forward to this one. Always like when we can talk to the Red Bull assistant coaches. We have already talked with Preston Burpo. We have already talked with C.J. Brown. And as I welcome in Bradley Carnell, Red Bull assistant coach. Coach, I think it's fair to say, have we saved the best for last? Is that why we're doing you so late in the season in September? <laughs> we're just hoping, you know, to give the, the guys a good, a real push for and a run for their money now coming into this last stretch. I mean, it's been a topsy-turvy kind of kind of season, you know, and obviously uh, going back all the way to preseason, you know, I remember saying clearly to the guys, guys, you have a target on your back. You know, guys, where you what you achieved last season, where you ended up, other teams dream to be at. You know, so um, and you can kind of see that. You know, the league has grown again exponentially in this year. You have a look at it, uh, all the players that have come in and teams that are you know playing out of their socks, and you know teams are just developing by the by the minute with certain roster changes. So for us, it's been a challenging year, and uh, for sure, you know we 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 coming out on top at the end. So yeah, I think a couple of teething problems early on, but uh, the guys are are really committed and and uh, sort of. Yeah, understanding the way how we're trying to do things at the moment. 
You know, everybody's path and road is different um, to, to getting to the point of, of wherever they stand right now. And as I just asked Chris before we took our first uh, little break and before we brought you on, he talked about the relationship that the two of you had. And he said you, you are a fantastic soccer mind. You see the game the right way. And in a way, you are a sounding board for him to bounce things on and off uh, the field in terms of training, in terms of games, really about everything when it comes to how to get this team ready. Um, wh- what would you say? Is, is is that an accurate description of what the role of an assistant coach is supposed to be on a soccer staff? Yeah, it's interesting. Like one of the things in Germany, even while I was playing and, and you heard and coaches speak to other coaches and they always said like the assistant coaches should always think, um, you know, like a head coach, but act as an assistant coach. So you always know your level, you always know your role you have to play, um, and, and you still have your ideas, you know, and, and bounce them around. And Chris and I used to share a room together uh, when he was the assistant coach, yeah, you know, under J.C. Marsh. And uh, we got to exchange a hell of a lot, and I just feel like part of uh, his characteristics and, and his demeanor, um, we share very uh, similar values, you know, in terms of as a person and as a human being. And I think that's, uh, I think where, where Chris and I have such a good understanding, you know, so, um, you know, it feels like I've known him for much of my whole life, even though, you know, I've just known him for now nearly going on three years. So we have a very good understanding and, and I would say a very special relationship. And uh, I'm glad he feels that way because, yeah, no, I mean, things can get, um, you know, in these discussions, in the boardroom meetings that we have, you know, we, we all have our uh, sort of opinions and, and uh yeah, we, we like to bounce things off and sometimes those discussions, you know, they, yeah, they get intense and, uh, you know, it's a, it takes good people to understand where those and uh, where those messages are going and I'm glad he, he feels that way because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very humbled to be part of this organization and to be working here with the Red Bull. So, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic setup. Let's talk about how you became an assistant coach here with New York right at the start of the 2017 season or right at the beginning of the 2017 season. You make the move to the United States, uh, join the staff with Chris, with Jesse Marsh, with Preston. Um, how, how did that process come to be where you found out, hey, there's an opportunity for me in Major League Soccer in the United States and with the New York Red Bulls? Well, I think it, I think all the roots go back to like the year 2000, 2001. Um, so much of the German sort of corporation at Red Bull, like Ralph Rangnick and uh, before that, one of the sporting um, assistant directors, Jochen Schneider and what have you. So there were a couple of guys involved in terms of the scouting department, Wolfgang Geiger. These guys all worked at uh, VFB Stuttgart. Okay, um, and that was like 1998 when I got there. So Ralph Rangnick became the head coach of Stuttgart during my time there. Jochen Schneider, like I said, assistant general manager, and and Wolfgang Geiger, the scouting system. He set up the scouting system in Stuttgart. So all these guys had moved on throughout their careers, and you know we kind of left our ways uh, or, or sort of parted ways after Stuttgart and all went in different directions. But then we've always just been in, in touch, you know, and it's always just kept a, a good network and a good working relationship with uh, with people. And that's what it's about, you know, um, sort of if you if you don't burn your bridges, um, you know, and if people value what you do and who you are as a person, uh, you know, sometimes these things come around back to you. And that's how I felt. Um, Stuttgart were at a pre-season training camp in 2014 and Jochen Schneider was in South Africa in Cape Town and I kind of played liaison with uh, with Stuttgart and the link between the and what have you so I played like uh, liaison travel guide tour guide everything you name <laughs> I helped them out for a couple of weeks in 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 that season and in that pre pre-season um, and kind of rekindled some of that Stuttgart sort of feeling back in the day. And uh, when this post came available um, late 2016, uh, Jochen and, and Ralph Rangnick, they all, in, you know, sort of inquired and, and we had a couple of phone calls. And, yeah, that was the easy part. Now, trying to get the sort of link and the buy-in from, from the American side and, and the Red Bulls over in, in New York. That was the tricky part. I remember Skype phone calls at 2 a.m. my time in the morning because there's a six-hour time difference. So that was all fun and, and entertaining times as well. But, yeah, like I said, I'm grateful for getting the opportunity. And it's been a, it's been a hell of a ride, and it's been such an enjoyable 
process being part of this organization and it, it kind of just brought me back around to to the days back in Germany. So yeah, it's been a roundabout kind of a merry-go-round um, and uh, obviously my time in South Africa after I retired was valuable and, and, and good for me to go back home and give something back uh, and get my, my sort of you know, where I want to go as a person and as a coach and got me sort of embedded into the coaching world in South Africa. Um, and then I became curious to explore. Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm a bit of a, a world traveler and I enjoy being in different, different areas, different parts of the world. So yeah, no, I think it was a, a good step for me and, and the family. We, we really enjoyed out here. Coach, you know, in that last answer, you, you mentioned um, being a world traveler and open to new experiences, but you also threw in there for your family as well. W- was that maybe the hardest thing to have to bounce around um, with the kids, with your family, and then tell them, okay, not only are we moving again, but we're moving across an, an entire ocean and coming to the United States. So my kids were born in Germany. Okay, my wife is German, so I met them in, or I met Claudia, my wife, in, in Stuttgart. Okay, uh, in two thousand and three. So um, I was still a player at Stuttgart. So if you can imagine the trip that we went, so we went Stuttgart to Borussia München Gladbach. Uh, we went to Karlsruhe, um, we went to Hansa Rostock. So there's been a couple of trips uh, within Germany, you know, so a couple of moves all around Germany. And then 20, 2010, we fly to South Africa, we play a year in South Africa, and then I retire in 2011. So, you know, living on those two different continents, up and down, over a couple of different clubs. Uh, and then, you know, we, we sort of, uh, yeah, we're now a family. It's not just uh, the two of us traveling. Now we, we have kids. So I have two girls. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, they're 15 and 11 years old. So, I mean, it, it, it sort of goes by so quickly. And I'm, I'm glad and grateful for the time in South Africa because, you know, I never really grew up with grandparents and, and sort of, uh, yeah, so, so people to look up to like that. So I can't even remember my grandparents. I think they were all passed on before I was even born or, or soon just after I was born. So I wanted to give back to my family or to my kids to, to grow up with like, a granny and a granddad you know so they had a good couple of years of that um and then like i said i just felt like for me in terms of my profession and where i want to take it and where i'm going um that south africa would you know maybe become a become an option one day but i thought for now for my immediate growth and for me to get better uh, in what i'm trying to do i thought you know getting getting somewhere abroad would be the best uh, the best reasoning for for me to get somewhere you know Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell here on our coaches podcast on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Of course, New York in the midst right now of a playoff race, trying to lock in the four spot. They'll have DC United at home on Sunday. Um, You know, I'm reminded coach, as you kind of talk a little bit about your, your playing career and Chris actually referenced it when we talked before we wrapped up that first segment, um, you were a tremendous player. I mean, bouncing around Germany and playing in the Bundesliga, starring for the South African national team, being part of a World Cup. When you come to the United States and have to then integrate with a new franchise and a new group of players, did, did you almost have to, um, I won't say stake your claim, but let everybody know in a way that, that you <laughs> were the player that you were and you had a great career? You, you know, my, my upbringing always... It was like always just be humble, just let things happen as they come and, and don't take things for granted. And so that's been my way of life It's just being very humble. And, and you know, uh, I've never really seen it like that. Um, but I will admit the first day I, I arrived in New York, uh, Jesse had me on a tactical 11 v 11 just to fill in a spot. And I remember a ball played over the back and BWP running through the back and I had a massive slide tackle <laughs> two, <laughs> days be- two days before a game and, and, and sort of cleared the ball and, and Brad was like, wow, okay, this is the new assistant coach, okay. Um, and that was me, you know, I just wanted to sort of set a tone for who I am and, and uh, you know, what it means for me to be um, in a professional organization and for me and my demeanor and my character, I was always a no-nonsense type of uh, defender and I enjoyed the love of the game and, and the way we play. I mean, it's in my DNA. So I'm able to coach here with passion and belief because it's what I've 
unsafe and it's become a part of my culture. So, you know, I think that some of the guys were surprised um, because being in America, I mean, nobody has any clue who you are or, or how your travel was or what your road was. Um, and sometimes it's it's a nice reminder, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it was good to show that, you know, that you can still have certain beliefs as a player and still be able to implement them. And I think that's one of the big qualities if sometimes you have to step on and, you know, in a little 4v4 or a 5v5 after training with some of the guys who need to do some extra work or what have you, that you can still offer a little bit, you know, and the guys really embrace that and, and see it as a challenge sometimes, you know. They don't want the old guys showing them up. So, you know, I think it keeps everyone on their toes. What was it like, Coach, to play in a World Cup for South Africa? Uh, very special. You know, it's always been a dream, and ever since I was the age of seven, eight years old, I can remember running around in a Liverpool gear. I mean, I was a Liverpool through and through. You know, John Barnes was my idol, and that's all I ever wanted. If anyone asked me, what do you want to do? I want to become a soccer player. Oh, where do you want to play? For me, the biggest, my dream was to play in England, and, and that's all our television coverage gave us back in those days. Um, so that's always been a part of me. And then, you know, you start feeling a little bit, you know, you, you get to train with certain people and get to certain levels. And and you felt that in the amateur level at the age of 15, you, you're way ahead of the other kids. And then you're training with men uh, in the first team. And then you move to a professional club at the age of 16. So all these things kind of fell in the pipeline and in the pathway. Um, and again, you had a lot of things to give up during that time. You know, there were so many things... Uh, you know, floating around and, and certain things that looked interesting and, and, you know, that you could have tried out. But, yeah, I think that was the biggest challenge, just trying to stay on the straight and narrow and, and stay fully focused. And But I'm glad I did because it opened up a world of opportunity. And, and uh, listen, if, you, if, you, if you're modest and, and you stay on the ground with both feet, you, you know, these things will, you know, you'll get lucky and getting lucky means working hard. And if you work hard, the success will come. So for me, that was the biggest thing to finally uh, step on a, on a national team game at a world cup in Japan and Korea in 2002 and have an opening game against Paraguay of which, you know, yeah, South Africa never made the world cup many times. And to be part of that team was awesome. Yeah. All right. So I say this not knowing a hundred percent whether it's true. I, I usually try and pride myself on on knowing the information before I say right. it. But I know you were a defender by trade. But I, I will ad admit that I cheated a little bit and looked on Wikipedia. Did you start as a goalkeeper in the early days? No. It was my dream to be a goalkeeper. I always wanted to be a goalkeeper in South Africa. And playing in England, we used to have uh, Gary Bailey. He was playing for Man United and Bruce Grobola. He was a Zimbabwean, um, which is probably, you know, it's just north of our borders in, in South Africa. So, you know, we classified him as a South African as well, uh, you know, and uh, Bruce Grobola was the goalkeeper for Liverpool. So, while I was adoring and, and idolizing John Barnes playing down the left flanks, um, we had this guy from Africa and Zimbabwe, which is, like I said, like almost home to South Africans. Um, he was playing for them and he was their starting goalkeeper. So at that time, we had two African goalkeepers during the 80s. And uh, I loved goalkeeping. And, and uh, at our local club, I went down at the age of like seven and I wanted to be the goalkeeper. And they said, no, we've already got a goalkeeper. And then I, I refused to play outfield. So then I just went back home and put on my mopey face and I didn't play for a year. Um, I went back the next preseason and they said, dude, the goalkeeper spots are taken up. And I'm like, come on, man, I want to be goalkeeper. And they said, no. And then that's what got me into outfield. And luckily enough, you know, it was probably a wise decision by those coaches to put me outfield and, and for me to just you know, accept that fact that I'm not going to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> you, you talked uh, earlier about Major League Soccer, which continues to get bigger and its footprint continues to cover more of the United States. Um, coming here to the U.S. or maybe even as a, as a player, when you were in the Bundesliga, when you were in South Africa, what was your impression of Major League Soccer then as compared to what your impression of Major League Soccer is now? Well, then, you know, there were still those 
funny penalty goals, you know, from 35 yards out or something. The, I don't shoot, know if you the shootout. Those. The, the shootout. shootout, yeah. <laughs> I remember those. Um, I remember 94, is that correct? Yep. I think the World Cup 94. 90, 94 was the World Cup here, yep. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember buying my nephew a World Cup because I was in – in and around that time, I was with the U23s. We took a trip here to um, America. We played against the U23 national team at uh, Richmond, Virginia. And I remember in those days, Claudio Reyna, Lalas, all these guys were on that team. I remember that quite clearly. Um, so that was that was a little impression of, of the league and, and uh you know, of, of the the quality and the level of American football. I obviously know now American soccer. I know now there's a lot of different rules that I've become accustomed to. So even back then, you know, like homegrown and waivers and protected and all of these type of expansions. And so there's all these different types of uh, words and terminologies and rules that I've the last two and a half, three years. So, um, and it, and it all makes sense to me now because I know it's a part of the culture and it's a part of life here. So, but, uh, back then we, we didn't really know it. And, you know, the league was looked down upon probably back in those days because it wasn't really publicized as much. And, you know, and if you have a look at now, like how much interest the league has drawn and, uh, personal investment by people and clubs and, and companies. And there's a lot happening in the league uh, of which, you know, I think we're all grateful for because, yeah, every every positive sort of growth and, and development in the league is really good for, for the whole soccer industry, for sure. A couple more just to finish up with. How, how often do you still get to go home or do you not get to go home very often anymore? I haven't been home because the schedule, that's the tricky part about being in the league here, you know. Um, it's a 10-month league, you know, so we're in the office, we're on the field. But the minute the league ends, there's now all the sort of scouting platforms that we get going on. There's all the different uh, recruitment strategies. And so there's a lot of now meetings and boardroom talk and discussions. And, you know, there's there's a lot now of, of admin work that goes on postseason. So that's been really interesting because obviously at the university, then we have our own little um, uh, scouting um, combine uh, during the winter time here. So time is is pretty limited here so yeah i haven't been home for over two years now so it would be great to try and sneak out for a couple of days um you know depending on on where we where we land up and how the season goes and hopefully we have our last uh, game on the 10th of november that would be great and then two after that uh, travel to south africa for a couple you know but uh, yeah the time it's really a dense uh, sort of calendar here and keeps keeps the guys uh, probably you know the coaching staff we like brothers <laughs> we we or we could share a house together <laughs> what's the what's the of all the cities that you've seen what's been your favorite stop um on road trip so far uh, soccer wise or just uh Enjoy, enjoyment pleasure field, wise you know? enjoyment pleasure wise um Listen, I think obviously the LA trips uh, have have been good. I've been to now the Galaxy and the FC <coughs> over the last two years, and I have a very good feeling about about Los Angeles. You know, um, I think we have a town in in South Africa called Durban. I think weather-wise, uh, sort of climate, yeah, everything uh, it has a feel to sort of like Cape Town, Durban vibe. Um, that's that's the feel I get there. From a soccer perspective, I really like uh, Kansas City. And uh, yeah, I mean, Portland, now this last trip as well, it's my second time there. It was fantastic, you know. So I really do enjoy Portland as well. Um, Toronto's another keen one on my calendar. I enjoy going to Toronto. How about uh, you mentioned that when you first came here, you roomed with Chris. Uh, who, have you, who have you <laughs> traded spots with and have to room with now? Well, I haven't. I've, I haven't traded spots. You know, Chris. Chris got traded. He got upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> Chris got upgraded. So no, I would say also get on a get on like a house on fire. You know, we really. Again, it just seems to be the people that we uh, attract or the people that we. Um, recruit, you know, it's, it feels like a glove fits a hand, you know, it, it's, it just goes one and one with another. And um, if you look at from top to bottom, uh, who works here, you know, like all just 
morally uh, invested in everything we do here and uh, fully committed and buying into to what we do and obviously working with cj you know um coming from orlando and rsl and what have you so you know getting him to to sort of work in a way of like playing in the you know in a tight space and being nice and compact and so you know that was a little bit different for him but he's a, embraced this and and really sees the benefit of and the value of how we play now and and now he's like it's unbelievable watching watching him you know as 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 the coach that was at Orlando or watching him now and just speak the way that you know our language our philosophy our terminology he's it's been a joy to watch so yeah it's 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 an excellent recruitment as well very last thing is there any truth at all to the rumor that your favorite part of each and every game day is the <laughs> two to three minutes that you get to spend at halftime with myself and steve jolly that is fun i've actually started now on the bench you know because obviously there's certain themes that we follow during the game and i've actually started like making one or two little pointers just to make sure that you know, I want to keep the, the fans engaged and, and you guys up to speed without giving too much details away. I want to make it, you know, as as objectively as possible and, and give us a good or give everyone a good view, uh, view and a feel of what we are seeing on the bench. So, you know, hopefully it's coming across that way and, and hopefully we'll, we'll always improve and get better for sure. That is the voice that you hear each and every game day in between the first and the second half. He is Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell. Uh, coach, really enjoyed this spot. Appreciate you giving us some time here this morning and look forward to seeing uh, you over the weekend. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell would take a quick timeout. When we come back, we've got fan questions. And back in the chair is Red Bull head coach Chris Armas. This is our Coaches Show on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Great segment with Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell. We are rejoined on our September podcast, our coaches show here on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Don't forget to drop us a rating, a review, leave us some comments. You can always interact with myself, with my partner, uh, Steve Jolly. We'll wrap this uh, September show up with some questions from you, the fans. Red Bull head coach Chris Armas is back with us. Uh, coach, we'll, we'll get into this right now, and I'll throw you – I'll throw you a few questions from some of the fans. This one from Thierry Godwings, TGW. What do you think has made the team click better in recent matches compared to some maybe some poor run of form earlier on? I think it's a good question. I would say that um, I've seen I've seen our a few of the leaders of the team, especially on the back line, you know. Aaron Long, Tim Parker, Kamara Lawrence, Luis Robles. I've seen those guys almost say, like, enough is enough. No more easy goals. No more of this two goals a game, four goals, three leaking goals. And, and their commitment to team defending, I think, has changed. And, and I think we all know that in the, in the last few years, we've been so good because of our center backs and our back line. And we saw that the one year Aurelian Collin came, he changed the, 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 what it looked like back there. Last year was Tim Parker. And when the center backs are clear, it just becomes the starting point of, of a really secure team. So every time a team has a situation or something dangerous, those guys are there to put out the fire. So I think that those two guys, and when we know that guys have gone through a few things this year, even Aaron with the talks of going to Europe, like he's so focused right now. And I think we will all say that he looks laser focused and, and he's been a real difference for us in these last few games. Question number two from Jersey Iraq. What goes into determining when the team should be playing aggressive in not just the press, but more importantly, quick transitions to goal versus sitting back and playing slower and more possession? Yeah, look, I think, the, you know, we always want to be aggressive. We always want to be aggressive. And, and 
ideally we want to play fast. So if you ask us, how do you play the Red Bulls? We play fast. We play aggressive. Now, in different moments of the game, it demands different, you know, uses of tempo. So if you have the ball and you win the ball, you know, you want to get to goal quickly. But then sometimes the other team does a nice job of slowing things down. Then you got to slow things down. So the game sometimes dictates, or what the opposition does sometimes dictates, that you might have to slow down um, when you have the ball a little bit to have a little bit of patience. You know, there's different ways you can use the ball and possession. Do you want to use it to get to goal quickly? Do you want to use it almost as a rest? Do you want to use possession to move the opponent around a little bit, to open up gaps? Now, when we don't have the ball, again, we, we're typically a team that wants to be aggressive. But in, in so many of our games in the past, we've been in this all-out pressing and we get stretched. We get stretched and all of a sudden we're leaving a lot of space behind us and there's a, there's a lot of room for transition moments going the other way. But even if we sit back a little bit, the idea is never to just be passive, just sit back. It's still we're having a mindset of we're in hunt mode to chase a ball, get after them, take time and space away, just in a different part of the field. So it, it might look a little bit different at times because that's just a tactic on the day. But our mindset always, always, always is to be aggressive. Here's one good answer uh, there, Coach. I thought that was was very well put together. Here's one from Jeff Gomez, and, and he starts it off in a pretty nice way here. He says, hey, Coach, often we hear the phrase, that's so Metro, when the team runs into their postseason wall. How do you prepare the players from a mental standpoint for the playoff hurdles that may arise, differing, obviously, from maybe messages from during the course of the regular season? Listen, since I've since I've been in charge here, you know, we've I've I've talked about winning and I show up every day with a winning approach to the day, a winning approach to video sessions, a winning approach to life, showing what winning looks like, talking about what winning looks like, acting like a winner. And that oftentimes is when things get tough, too. So I've I've shown that. That's number one. Two, the guys are hungry. They want to win. And we don't we don't ever talk about the past that way. Like, yeah, so that's so Metro. Yeah, I mean, I understand that people want to win for sure. We all want to win. And, and, you know, not all of us has been here as long as a lot of the fans and supporters. So they really have been through some tough times here. So, but we don't harp on that. We don't go back to negativity. We don't go back to what's in the past or falling short. We focus on what we can control, which is the details, the tiniest details that can get you over the hurdles. Attention to detail on set pieces, not fouling around the box, final plays, all the little things, the hundred little things that are at the top of the pyramid. You know, we've taken care of the base of the pyramid, the middle, but at the top of the pyramid where success is so hard to reach, Along the way, we've talked about all those little things that in the in the moment of truth, in the toughest moments of those playoff games that will add up. And that's the goal. So that's what we focus on. And uh, that's what I believe is going to get us over this hurdle. Coach, we'll finish it up here with uh, a couple of, of fun questions. Uh, this is from Toby Chalk. He wants to know, and I don't know if you're aware of the craze that has ensued at Red Bull Arena with some of the new food choices. Have you tried the Brisas empanadas yet? No, you, not no, yet. No one has given you an empanada? They're, they're a hot I item mean, at the stadium. I'm pissed, though, when I hear that because I would love – I'd love a few of those. I'll tell you that. All right. So I we're, mean, we're putting a call in that either pregame, and that actually might be better postgame for you, a celebratory empanada on Sunday after you beat DC United. Yeah, no, I'd love to have a few of those and uh, the staff as well. So, no, I, when I hear that, that's, uh, I know we're having a little fun with it, but yeah, I mean, I love empanadas. And, and if someone's saying they're good, which I believe they are, you know, Bring some for us here. You've you've been left out, and I feel bad for you. Um, yeah. All right, we're going to finish it up with this one. And dare I say, my radio partner was good enough to send a question in on Twitter specifically for you. Are you ready for this? I'm not sure I'm ready. 
we we usually have some fun, right? He's been angling to try and get back into the lineup. I think he's trying to butter you up with this one. He wants to know who the best roommate you ever had was during your playing days. Well, that's that. You know, I'm ready for that question. Um, and I don't know the answer, but <laughs> what I do know is who my worst roommate was. Um, and my worst roommate ever in my professional soccer playing career was Steve Jolly um, in preseason in uh, 1997. Um, but I almost like he was pretty much homeless, uh, like <laughs> not could didn't have an apartment, and I he was living out of his car, and I pretty much let him stay with me in the hotel, and then yeah, so Jolly knows I love him. He's he needs he's very needy. He's very needy. And uh, I'd say that he has to be one of the best roommates for sure. Coach, that will be a bond that you and I will have having to deal with Steve Jolly on a pretty regular basis. Um, Incredible. Appreciate you as always taking uh, some of the fan questions and for uh, giving us some time here. I know it's always busy as you get ready for what should be a great, fun atmosphere and an exciting game uh, come Sunday. Enjoy the rest of the week. Look forward to seeing you guys over the course of the weekend. Appreciate it, Matt. Thanks. Thanks to you, and thanks for all our listeners. Thanks. That is Red Bull head coach Chris Armis. We say goodbye here on the New York Red Bulls radio network. We thank Coach for his time. We thank Red Bull assistant coach Bradley Carnell. We'll see you Sunday at the arena. It is DC United week. Make sure you come out to the arena, and uh, hopefully this New York Red Bull team picks up three points. As always, thanks for joining us here on the New York Red Bulls radio network.